if you get someone just coming up to you and saying, hey, I, you owe me $100,000 because I said so, it's a PPAP, yeah. you know, you got to do that. Um, <laughs> they're they're going to say, well, we've just done a PPAP over here. And, you know, the buyer may not even know what all the requirements are. So you've got to inform the buyer to say, hey, look, your engineering department's asking for this. Typically, when we submit this, we do not have to pay for that. Growing a business requires a holistic approach that extends beyond sales and marketing. This approach needs alignment among people, processes, and technologies. So if you're a business owner, operations, or finance leader looking to learn growth strategies from your peers and competitors, you're tuned into the right podcast. Welcome to the WBS Podcast, where scalable growth using business systems is our number one priority. Now... Here is your host, Sam Gupta. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the WBS Podcast. I'm Sam Gupta, your host and principal consultant at Digital Transformation Consulting Firm, Elevate IQ. If you have been thinking about penetrating the automotive market, your customers will ask you to comply with the PPAP processes. You need to comply with several requirements irrespective of your tiers such as communicating any process or line changes in your facility. You will also have additional testing requirements at the transaction level such as corrosion testing etc. If you don't understand these standards you have a risk of losing your customer or wasting money on non-conforming parts. In today's episode, we have our guest, Ken Hetelwick, who discusses the nuances of the PPAP process for machine shops serving the automotive market. He also touches on the testing requirements at the transaction level and the audit and compliance requirements annually. Finally, he shares several stories about how upfront communication and relationships with your customer could help navigate issues if you run into challenges while complying with PPAP guidelines. Let me introduce Ken to you. Ken Hattelweck is an engineering manager at Falcon Plastics. He has 29 years of experience in manufacturing. Ken's roles over the years have included Operations Manager, Production Manager, Quality Manager, Product Development Coordinator, Tool Maker, and Plastic Processing. He works closely with customers in finding common ground and making design concepts a reality as the new products are successfully launched. Ken currently resides in Tennessee with his wife and four kids. With that, Let's get to the conversation. Hey, Ken. Welcome to the show. Well, hey, Sam. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Of course. And I'm super excited to have you as well, just because the kind of experience you bring from the PPAP perspective and the quality work that you have done, it's going to be super beneficial for our listeners. Just to kick things off, do you want to start with your personal story and your current focus, Ken? Sure. Yeah. And I guess, uh, you know, I've been working with a current company here for 
it's 26 and a half years, I guess. Uh, so uh, during that time, I've had held different roles. I started as a toolmaker, um, going through, uh, you know, building molds, and then also uh, to the point where um, I was over production for a, a period of time as a production manager, then got into product development for, for years there. And that's really where I started in with the PPAP uh, process a um, yeah. little bit while I was into the in the production area there, but really got dive deep dive into it with the product development because then you have to do more of the the actual you know nuts and bolts of it, getting into actually putting the documentation together. And then you know I've actually managed uh, or was a plant manager over our plant in South Dakota there, and then uh, you know from there now I'm back down into Tennessee where over the I'm an engineering manager over over the facility now. So. Okay, amazing. And again, you have a very uh, solid background, and I'm pretty sure you are going to have tons and tons of stories where we are going to get tons of learning for our listeners. So we have one of the standard questions that we ask every single guest that come on the show, and that is going to be your perspective on business growth. So, yeah, as far as business growth, um, you know, going through the the PPAP process um you know really it's it's like in the old days there was a, a handshake uh, between the you know two business partners as they were coming together to do business together and yeah. it was just an understanding back then that worked because it, there wasn't maybe quite as much at stake as you grow now and as you get into business i mean uh, that that handshake has to be done more formally and yeah. we we start looking at it and and the ppap process really brings that out um so the reason it's important is because it, without it, you're you're not maybe taking all of the items, I guess, into consideration. So yeah. when you when you start wanting to put together your your process, you've got to consider what may all go wrong. So people are looking at your you know PFMEAs and trying to understand all the failure modes that you may have. And without doing that, you may end up not not intending to, but you may end up failing and yeah. sending out bad bad parts. And what that causes, you know, in in terms as of today, I mean, you you've got lines that are running hundreds of people, and yeah. if you're dealing with a, a large OEM, you may be getting charged back a lot of money based off of a, just a, a slight oversight on your your initial documentation. So interesting, very interesting overall. And I like the way you think about the whole process and doing the handshake formally, because it is really that, to be honest. I mean, when we look at the overall process and the benefits that it actually brings to the table. So before we get into some of the things that you just mentioned, I would like to dig into chargebacks as well, how they work. But do you want to set the stage and describe what PPAP process is, which industries are going to be relevant for the PPAP process and why they should be doing that? Yeah, typically the uh, PPAP process, I mean, it, it really, I guess, as far as our perspective goes, it started with, uh, you know, some automotive experience. And, uh, you know, those those are where it really kind of drove it home for us as far as getting getting into this process. Other industries will have similar documentations. They may or may not call it PPAP. Yeah. Um, we have uh, other ones that may call it, you know, a supplier quality approval. 
you know, there's there's multiple names for different things depending on the the in, environment you're working in. But yeah. uh, really, PPAP kind of is kind of like the umbrella. It's kind of like a Kleenex versus tissue paper. You know, it's it's really really kind of what everyone recognizes. Okay, so let's dig into the some of the features of uh, the supplier quality management, right? So let's say if I'm the owner and I've n- never done a PPAP before, right? And I may not have these processes, or maybe I have some of them. I just don't realize that I'm probably doing them because it actually helps me overall, right? And I'm not as worried about the chargebacks. So let's say if I am trying to do this for the first time, what am I looking at? So am I validating the suppliers when I hire them? Is there a specific recruitment process in terms of the way I should be engaging with the suppliers? Am I looking at their performance? Am I looking at their data? So what is the, the overarching process? Can you describe that? So so when you're getting a new business from, from a supplier, I mean, yeah. there's there's expectations that have to be put forth. So as as you're doing the coding process, knowing your customer, even you know, back into the coding side of things, knowing your customer does help because if you go forward and you don't anticipate that there's going to be, uh, you know, expectations as far as a PPAP, there may be when you're when you start getting into it, uh, you may actually have some testing that's involved and that testing may cost you thousands of dollars. So you need to be aware of your customer and, and what the expectations are, even back in the coding stages. So as you as you get into this, you're you're starting to let's say you get the project right. You're yeah. you're being awarded something, and when you're awarded that, so there there's going to be some meetings as far as setting the stage to what the expectations are. And during the, that meeting, you're you're hoping that you have the right people in the room, and you may or may not. But getting to that point, your buyer that is going to be purchasing from you should yeah. be able to set the stage and say, hey, look, you, you know, you're going to ask them the question of who will actually approve this, you know, who in your, you know, get get a name, get a, a person, a title that from their organization, hey, this is the guy that's going to approve this for you. And at least set that, get up that communication between that person. So you can understand the full impact of what what you got. You have to, uh, I guess, submit to get approvals. Interesting. So, do you have any examples of the testing that you mentioned? So, let's say if somebody might be selling to automotive, they might not be doing this process. All of a sudden, they, they get this document from the customer that you need to follow these processes if you want to work with us. So, is there any example that you might be able to provide? What kind of testing is going to be in terms of the product that these industries might be building? So what kind of testing are we talking about here? So yeah, there there's there's multiple testing that that could be um when you're when you're looking at different materials and different yeah. uh, components. For instance, if you have a insert that's put that's placed into a mold and it's overmolded and uh, so you've got something in this part that's other than your your base manufacturing there that you did in the plant. You you may have to do a corrosion test on the insert. You may have which means you'll have to send that out you have to go to a certified lab and yeah. uh, you, you'll basically get information on uh, on what type of chemicals it needs to be resistant to, whether it's yeah. oil, whether it's, uh, you know, acid, whether it's something. Um, but those are the things that the customer needs to provide to you. And then also with that, there's, there might be some push out, pull out type force uh, things that are more of a mechanical thing, which are easier to do, but they still need to be at a certified lab. So if you're you 
have any requirements like that, you say, oh, well, we can get those dimensions. Well, yeah. yes, you may be able to get the dimensions, but or you get the readings that you need, but unless it's a certified lab, it really is not credited. So it really doesn't count. Okay, interesting. And let's say if I don't comply with this, or maybe, you know, I am trying as an as an owner, I am trying to instruct my guys, but I mean, they are probably missing these things. And because of that, you mentioned that you are probably going to get chargebacks. So can you describe an example of some of these chargebacks that you have seen in your experience because of the the non compliance? Uh, do they require any sort of certification uh, as part of the process when they are going to receive the part for the testing from the lab to make sure that the parts are tested? So I think I'm understanding you correctly. You're, you're looking for an example of, say, when uh, when we went through something where hey, you struggled with it a little bit, getting the requirements just right. So an example that would go right along with this, as far as when I talk about an insert or something being molded in, you know, we, uh, we had worked with a supplier to, uh, you know, get a cost down for, you know, our customer. And, you know, as, as you go through and do that, um, there's, you know, you've got to get that component PPAP and then also PPAP your own uh, part to your customer. And as we went through one, you know, which is why I said it's very important to understand your, your customer and who's going to do the approvals. Um, we had, uh, we had one, uh, one quality representative at our customers that basically yeah. said, hey, yeah, this is what your requirements are. And unfortunately, it did not include the engineering department at this facility. And we submitted parts with what we were understanding, what we needed to do for testing. And it turned out that we were missing certain stuff. But uh, we got the uh, quality person actually to sign off on our PPAP, which we didn't know any different at the time. So knowing who that person is is very important. So it turned out that we needed additional testing as far as like corrosion and, and a few other things there that we hadn't known about because we didn't work with the right person. So it ended up causing us a lot of, I guess, jumping through hoops in order to make sure everything was right. You know, it still turned out we before we were supplying parts, we, we got it figured out, but it delayed a project that, you know, could have been in in the works much sooner. Okay, and can you touch back on the chargebacks? So I don't know if these chargebacks are going to be mentioned as part of the initial specification that you are getting from your customer that, you know what, I am asking you to do all of this. And if you don't do this, then I have these penalties for you. So are these chargebacks mentioned as part of the specification? Do you have any examples that you might be able to share of the chargebacks? So like in relationship to the PPAP specifically, uh, yeah. you know, when you start bringing on, on something, if the, you know, you can look at it several different ways. You can quote it out as a, a PPAP package separately to your okay. customer, but that typically has to be done up in the coding, coding uh, you know, stage. If you don't do it in the coding stage, you're going to get a lot of feedback, you know, or pushback from your, your customer to want to pay for that. Typically, the product itself should pay for the PPAP process. You know, it's all dependent on what product you're providing. Some products have a lot of risk to them and a lot of testing that go with it. Those type of products, you're, you're going to want to have that PPAP process probably spelled out in the quoting stages. Otherwise, you're not going to get that covered. So typically, most of our stuff is included in either like a tooling cost or, or in like the part price as you, you'll make it up as you run parts, right? 
Okay, very interesting insight there. And I want to make sure that my, uh, our listeners are able to understand uh, this well. So, you know, when we look at any of the quality compliance uh, sort of certification, when we talk about uh, your ISO, when we talk about your AS, typically in that, what you do is you sort of get the certification. And after that, you, as long as you are certified, you are sort of covered. I mean, it's not necessarily part of your coding process. But the way you are trying to describe here is you are saying that, you know what, the customers are actually going to request the specific PPAP quality measurement that you need to do. And that is going to be included. And you have an ability to be able to quote for those specific steps. And that is going to be part of your coding, right? That is that is the way that uh, you should handle that. There's people that may overlook that, and then uh, yeah. you're looking in their rear rear mirror and you're kind of fretting about, oh, how are we going to handle this? And going to the customer with your, uh, you know, as they give you new expectations that maybe you are not aware of during your quote, um, that does give you opportunity to head back to them and say, hey, look, this is actually going to cost us X amount of money. We're going to need need some additional funds to to move forward here. And if not, I guess it may not work for you, right? Yeah, very interesting. So typically, let's say if I'm looking at my sales order, I have sent out to my my customer and the and I am looking at, you know what, you are going to require this corrosion testing. Am I required to specify the name of the lab there where I'm going to be testing? Is that that need to be spelled out as well? Or is it really, you know what, I'm going to do something related to PPAP and that is going to cost you $100,000 and that is actually part of your quote. If you need more details, email me. Can you expand a little bit more on that? Yeah, I, I guess uh, when you when you start looking at it and, and if you're going into something where you're you're going to be, you know, charging back, uh, you know, $100,000 or something, you know, to, you know, that extent, um, the, the customer's going to really want to understand that when when they they get into that and just uh you know you're gonna have to relate it to hey your expectation here based off your PPAP, you're asking for this type of a test and this test here in order to do that it's going to take x amount of time and it's going to cost this amount of money um you know and then also here at this other stage you're asking for this type of testing which may or may not be something that uh, we anticipated originally and it's going to cost this much amount of money Really, you got. I think you need to spell that out to your customer because you don't want them to just to think. If you get someone just coming up to you and saying, "Hey, I, you owe me a hundred thousand dollars because I said so," it's a PPAP. Yeah. You know, you got to do that. Um, <laughs> they're they're going to say, "Well, we've just done a PPAP over here," and you know, the buyer may not even know what all the requirements are. So you've got to inform the buyer to say, "Hey, look." your engineering department's asking for this, you know, typically when we submit this, we do not have to pay for that. So it's just kind of making sure that they're aware because you're not dealing, your buyer is ultimately not your the engineering contact at your your customer. So just kind of, kind of making sure they understand the story. Right. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that makes complete sense. And uh, I want to touch on one more point related to this. Since so far, the, the, the steps that we mentioned are primarily related testing, and that is going to be related to material. Uh, but initially, when we started talking about this, and that you mentioned that uh, it is really the supplier quality, right? So in this particular case, we are really testing the material. It could be related to supplier, but I mean, at the end of the day, we are really touching the material. So do we have any specific 
metrics that we need to test from the supplier perspective. For example, if the, the supplier is financially stable, where they are located, how they run their process, how they manufacture the material, do we need to worry about all of this? Or if, let's say, the, the test passes for the product, are we going to be okay? Yeah, so so that is also a very good point. And that's part of like your uh, qualifying your suppliers, right? So uh, yeah. you're doing a, you know, a supplier quality audits. Um, you're, you're, you're also looking in the, to their, yes, I mean, the financial end of it, you're, you definitely want to make sure that they're not going to go out of business, right? Now, yeah. a, a lot of customers and a lot of suppliers and, and whatnot sharing that type of information, especially on independent, you know, uh, suppliers that where they're not owned by, you know, a conglomerate of, you know, where it's not like a public, tr- publicly traded uh, um, business. Yeah, they may be a little bit leery to share that with you, but you know, getting references and getting things set up like that during your your uh, supplier audit is important. Making sure there's that relationship, you know. I mean, it's like you want to do business with with somebody that you know, right? So getting yeah. to know your your business that you're going to do business with or your your partners there, you want to understand that. Hey, I trust this person. I trust this business. You know, they've been what what references? Who have they who have they been doing business with? Is it someone that you can reach out to and say, hey, how has your how has your experience been with this customer or this supplier? I'm sorry. So yeah. you, you know, you really gotta do a little due diligence there. I mean, it's just no different than if you're if you have someone coming up to you and you're you're gonna start doing a, a small business with them, you you really wanna know that that the values line up, right? You've got the same values, the same core beliefs that this person or this business has, you know, you really want to make sure that moving forward that you can can work together. Does that make sense? It does. It does. Uh, In fact, I mean, see, I am going to ask some more clarifying questions there so that our listeners are able to understand, uh, you know, uh, if they are going through this PPAP journey. So obviously, let's say if I'm the owner, Ken, you know, I am going to do my due diligence the way I have been doing. I am going to perform, I'm going to check the supplier and I am in the business because I have been doing that. But now when I am working with my automotive customer, they have their own way of checking things. They have their own way of vetting the suppliers. And in my experience, I think that's where the PPAP comes, right? So they are going to have some sort of compliance that, okay, I want you to check these things. Point number one, point number two, point number three, point number four. And if you are not doing that, maybe I should not be doing business with you, right? So as part of the PPAP process, when you talk about at the sales order level, obviously they are going to ask, okay, since this product is very unique, I am going to ask you, okay, include this testing along with whatever else you do as part of your regular uh, quality procedures. So can you have the supplier quality triggered, supplier quality audit triggered as part of the additional mandate that you are getting on that specific transaction, on that specific product, or do you have sort of the annual audit as part of the PPAP that you have to do to make sure that you are auditing your suppliers, you are auditing your processes, but if there are going to be any product-related issues, that's when you need to negotiate at the time of the transaction. So, yeah, it's interesting because there, there are multiple ways of looking at it. And, uh, yeah. you know, with the automotive, there, there are specific standards that they do want you to, to at least revisit your PPAP annually um, okay. to ensure that you are still meeting your requirements. Okay. Um, you know, through time, through processes, you're, you know, there may be process improvements, process changes. Um, there may be 
things like that that uh, you maybe even if they're a little slight that need to be taken into account or you know those are the times to actually bring them up and and uh, submit those through um, to your customer because there a lot of times the automotive uh, industry does require a uh, annual PPAP you know and depending how what tier level you are tier one tier two tier three whatever it may be you may or may not be required to do that um, it may be on your customers plate to do that on your behalf or, you know, so there are, that's, you know, one part of this. And then, you know, you mentioned something about, you know, certain criteria that may be required. Um, It may be something that, you know, is too important to say, we're doing this once a year. Um, It may be saying, hey, I need this, this testing done once a quarter, once a, you know, whatever it may be, but that would be spelled out as well with, uh, you know, in your initial thing. And, if it's not spelled out, it doesn't mean that you may not do it because yeah. uh, you may find that there's value. You got peace of mind, right? You're you're, you're going to do something, and you say, "Well, I, I think everything's good." You know, they're not requiring us to do this testing. You know, every time we get in a lot, you know, we're not going to test this lot of material and say every time it comes in, we want to make sure it meets it. But they don't require that. But you may have if you've ever been through something and you you, you understand that the things don't always go as planned. Yeah. So you, you may want to do extra testing if it's a super critical or super high profile type of a product, you know, that would be kind of determined on, you know, job, job basis there. Right. Yeah. 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 So interesting. So let's talk about the overall journey of PPAP and obviously you have been in this space for some time, right? So, when we look at any of these standards, they are typically trying to evolve. For example, the reason why automotive is trying to do this is because they want to make sure that the parts that are going in the car, they are safe. So we are safe as human beings, right? (laughs) That's why we have these uh, documented process that they want everybody to follow so that we don't run into issues. But then, I mean, as you mentioned that when you plan something, it does not go as, as, as planned. So there are going to be changes in these standards as well. So over the period of time, I'm pretty sure you have seen a lot of changes in the PPAP process as well. So let's say if you were to dig into some of the changes that you have seen from 10 years back to five years to right now, what are those changes? Do you have any insight there by any chance? Yeah, there's there's several examples there that we could we could talk about, you know, one of them being on the process end of it, um, you know, we, when we were setting up for a job one time and and uh, we thought everything seemed to check out, you know, you do your your first samples, you know, you you, you do a, a reset, you, you sample it again, you get going and you're doing multiple samples just to prove out, hey, the repeatability of this process. And, yeah. you know, we on a day that we were having, you know, one of our you know customers come in. And it was, they're bringing in their customer as well. Um, we were setting the job up and, you know, I'm getting called to the floor saying, hey, uh, this is not, this is not working, you know, or, or stuff's not working right. And you start going through every part of that process and to try understanding, hey, what, what did we miss and what, what's going on? And, you know, at that, in that instance, it was, it was something simple. I mean, they put the wrong nozzle on, on the, on the machine, but, yeah. you know, it was spelled out, but yet it wasn't followed. So, you know, there's things like that, that you've got to almost put checks in place to make sure that that does happen. So, you know, there's, even though you have a process in place and and if you follow that process, everything works well, 
there may be something that's not communicated well to the floor where they followed the exact process and you got to re reevaluate and recommunicate that. Yeah. And in your experience, when you are working through these things where let's say you have documented everything and you thought that you communicated with your, your people, but things are still not being followed. So what can, let's say, owners do if they are going through the similar experience that, you know what, I have tried to document this, nobody really looks at it, nobody cares for it, they are not following. So what I'm going to do is I'm simply going to stop documenting. So in your experience, what have you seen as the practical strategies that really work on the shop floor when it comes to complying with some of these standards? So yes, your, your processes are, are important, but your training for your people is, is very important. Yeah. Um, you know, right now, right now, I think everyone is struggling with the same thing that we, we see across our industry and other industries is, is labor shortages and then having, you know, the properly trained people there to do it. So, uh, you know, we, we started talking, uh, you know, I, I brought on a few people here this year. And, and as I start to do the training, you know, the guys will look at you and say, well, what, what did you just do? You know, and, and you start stepping through the process. And in yeah. my mind, the process is, is maybe is, is I can, I can go through my head and I can step through this process. But yeah. then when you, when you're trying to teach somebody something, you you start realizing that hey if you don't have an understanding of what this is about yeah you've got to break it down to another level into either some sort of a actual manual something that anyone can follow and you know what we look at is we say okay and we probably put it into terms that uh, you know may or may not be I guess <laughs> you know, when you look at it we we say we want to find someone that has no experience with it yeah and yeah. And just have them walk through it. So, uh, you know, we may say you look for the dumbest person in the room, but that's not really yeah. what you're doing. You're looking for someone that with no experience. You know, yep. so we, we maybe say something we shouldn't say, but, you know, the, ultimately our goal is to find somebody that doesn't have experience and can read through your process and make sure they understand it. Because ultimately people don't want to do something wrong they want to do yep. it right but if it's so complex that you've got to stand on one leg hold your arm up in the air and you know close one eye in order to make this work nobody's going to follow that so you got to make it easy exactly so insightful to be honest i mean that's uh that that's a real thing right there uh you know a lot of people they just feel that you know what it's not really the communication but every time when you look at the processes when you look at any of the compliance it's all about how you are communicating things. It's not how creative your processes are. If they are not adopted, if they are not followed, then they don't add any value to the business and you are probably not going to get the results. So I know that you wanted to cover the, the SUV story that you had uh, that we were discussing in the pre-show uh, related to the failures of PPAP. Do you want to briefly touch on that? Yeah, I mean, and, and you know, that that one there, I mean, you know, we were, you know, that, that part is to say that was one of our kind of entry into the PPAP field or market where we were actually, hey, we're, we're just getting comfortable. It was maybe our third or fourth PPAP that we had found. Um, you know, it was a little higher profiled one at the time. Um, it was an SUV that was coming out uh, for a specific uh, market. And, you know, they were kind of bridging the gap into this market. And, yeah. you know, when the customer, you know, it was coming in, you know, and our parts weren't meeting the the spec because of something that our, one of our processing guys did, 
you know, it was very frustrating at, our, at that part because we, you know, at that point, we don't even know what's wrong, right? We, we just yeah. know that the, the process that we put in place, they're, they're not meeting, not meeting what, what we said we were meeting, we're not doing. And so you start looking at it and you start digging in and you have to go through every little line item in order to figure out what we've missed. And then why it's not working, you know, from even, you know, you look even at the machine to make sure the machine's not malfunctioning and setting our process and having a tight process. We felt really confident at that point that we had a great, great process. And turns out, you know, like I, like I said, you know, that that job only had, you know, someone put the wrong nozzle on it. And yeah. that was enough of a change that our parts were not good. So. Yeah. You know, when you start looking at your potential failure modes, that was one that we maybe didn't put enough emphasis on. So once we once we got that fixed, that product ran through the life of that really well. I mean, it was a it was a very good success story after a yeah. struggle. Just, you know, something that we're probably, you know, it was unfortunate the timing that the customer's on their way and they're in, in route and yeah. you're not making one. You know, and, you know, we had it fixed prior to them coming in. So really, they didn't know, but we were able to put other things in place to make sure that, hey, it, it you know, we're not going to have that problem again. That's really, in a nutshell, it's just, uh, you know, it was just kind of a great learning experience for us going through that whole thing. We had great uh, customers at the time to really deal with it. You know, they really worked with us to make sure that we understood what their expectations were um, because we were in, in that first stages of actually stepping into that market. Okay, amazing. So that's it for today, Ken. Do you have any last minute closing thoughts for our audience or advice? No, I, I guess just looking at it, I, I say, you know, keep it simple. Um, work with your customers. Make sure that uh, you understand their requirements because that's really when a, a lot of what I've seen comes down to is kind of miscommunication between people, why things don't work. If you misunderstand what the requirements are, it can really put a lot of delays in it. So putting that extra effort into the communication and building that relationship with your customer, because really ultimately customers can come and go pretty quickly. And you really want to deal with the customers that are going to stick with you for a while and, you know, build that relationship. Okay, amazing. And my personal takeaway from the conversation is going to be, even though you might not appreciate some of those things that are being mandated by PPAP, they might not make sense to you, but they are there for a reason. They are there to improve your relationship with the customer. The more upfront you are, the more you are communicating with your customer, and the more uh, you know uh, upfront you are in setting the expectations for your PPAP needs that you might encounter as part of your product, the, the, the more easier it is going to be maintain those relationships and the, the more business you can win from your existing customers as well as new customers. On that note, Ken, I really want to thank you for your time. This has been a powerful episode. All right. Thank you, Sam. I enjoyed it myself. I cannot thank our guests enough for coming on the show, for sharing their knowledge and journey. I always pick up learnings from our guests and hopefully you learned something new today. If you want to learn more about Ken, head over to falconplastics.com. It's F-A-L-C-O-N-P-L-A-S-T-I-C-S dot com. Links and more information will also be available in the show notes. If anything in this podcast resonated with you and your business, you might want to check other related episodes, including the interview with Melissa Drew, who discusses the product life cycle 
of automotive products and how it is different from other industries. Also, the interview with Paul Critchley from New England Lean Consulting, who discusses practical examples of how to apply 5SS of Lean to your organization. Also, don't forget to subscribe and spread the word among folks with similar backgrounds. If you have any questions or comments about the show, please review and rate us on your favorite podcasting platform or DM me on any social channels. I'll try my best to respond personally and make sure you get help. Thank you and I hope to catch you on the next episode of the WBS Podcast. Thank you for listening to another episode of the WBS Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform so you never miss an episode. For more information on growth strategies for SMBs using ERP and digital transformation, check out our community at wbs.rocks. We'll see you next time.